time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Okay, fantastic. Hey, it's a, it's a great new year that we've begun, and I'm excited because there's so many great things that are, um, <clears throat> that are on the horizon. I want to tell you about a couple of them. Uh, one of them has just, just crested the horizon here in the past month or so, and it's my new book called Uncovering the Secrets of Bible Prophecy, 10 Keys for Unlocking what scripture really says. Now, in this book, you're going to find out what is the nature of prophecy, of Bible prophecy, and, and how do you even understand it? How do, you, how do you recognize the six biggest mistakes that people make when approaching Bible prophecy? How do you develop biblical discernment? You know, that, I believe biblical discernment is probably the number one problem in the church today. And there's so little discernment like little children, we're putting anything and everything into our mouths without uh, any discretion and believing lies about God and about the Christian life and that type of thing. And so there's a whole chapter in there on developing biblical discernment. I talk about how to spot counterfeit truth, how to recognize false prophets in a chapter I've entitled Fake News and False Prophets. How about how to interpret Bible prophecy? Ever want to know how to do that for yourself? We've got a whole chapter on that. What are the major views on prophecy today? And, you know, can prophecy uh, be an apologetic for our time? I mean, can we use Bible prophecy to help convince people about uh, the reality of Jesus Christ and his soon return and the authenticity and credibility of the scriptures? What practical benefit does prophecy have to the body of Christ today? I mean, how can it, how has God decided and designed for Bible prophecy to impact the last day's church. I've got a whole chapter, actually two chapters on that. So uncovering the secrets of Bible prophecy, I want you to get a copy, go to Amazon, or you can go to my website and order a copy if you want to, but uh, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble or wherever books are sold and buy your copy today. It's a, it's a, it's a small book, only, you know, 185 pages, something like that. And I've got tons and tons of, of footnotes in the back for you uh, to do further research and to uh, check the scriptures and that type of thing. But, uh, you know, I want you to get a copy of that. You know, someone said, someone made a comment on, I don't know where it was. It was some, you know, social media thing. And they were making a comment about, um, about authors who talk about their books. And, uh, you know, I've, I've even spoken in places where I've talked about my books up front. Say, hey, I've got a book table in the back. Check it out. And uh, some people have given me criticism for that, saying, oh, you shouldn't be hawking your books. You're, you know, you're, you're like the money changers in the temple and that kind of thing. Hey, listen, uh, this is how we live, okay? And uh, Paul said that they who preach the gospel should get their living from the gospel. And so this is part of how we as authors and speakers live is when people buy their books. And guess what? It's not like you buy a candy bar and you eat it and it's gone. No, it's, it's truth. It's God's vintage truth. And it blesses your life and educates you and equips you and empowers you. So I really want you to copy that. Hey, the second thing I want you to know about is something I mentioned here a couple months back, and I'm going to be talking more about this uh, in the months ahead. But uh, this Prophecy at Sea Caribbean Cruise or Caribbean, however you choose to say it, uh, where five of us uh, prophecy speakers are coming together for one cruise. And we're going to sail out of Galveston uh, in September of this year. And it's going to be myself and Dr. David Reagan and Tom Hughes and Don Perkins 
and Billy Crone, and we're all coming together, the Fab Five here, and we're going to be uh, having such an incredible time talking about prophecy on many, many different topics. And the great thing about a cruise like this is that you actually get to know the people on the cruise. You get to know the speakers, and you can have sign up to have dinner with us, and, and just different things like that. We'll do Q&As. We'll be giving away tons of stuff, and you're on a cruise ship. So we're going to be going to Costa, uh, Costa Maya and uh, also to Cozumel, and it's going to be a five-day cruise, and it's the most affordable five-day cruise you'll find out there. And, uh, man, I want you to be a part of it. I'd love for you to come be a part of it. It's going to be so much fun. So, and bring sunscreen. All right, so anyway, it's going to be a great time. So it's called prophecyatsea.com, prophecyatsea.com. Check it out. Um, okay, so I want to get into the topic for today. And I want to talk about something, uh, actually, for the next several podcasts, going to be addressing some of these little issues here that, you know, I was a pastor for over 30 years, and I wasn't the kind of pastor that that sort of left his office on Sunday morning and, and you know, walk, walked through a secret tunnel and up to the, the stage and then, you know, got up to the pulpit to, to, to do his sermon after the, the people sang. And, <clears throat> you know, after that, I retreated back to my office or shook hands and, you know, while people told me how wonderful I was and that kind of thing. I wasn't that kind of pastor. I was a youth pastor for many of those years and then a, and then a senior pastor for uh, 10 of those years. And my style of ministry was I was always very close to the people that, w- that were in my ministry. And what did that mean? Well, you got to be like that if you're a youth pastor, right? But what that basically meant was is that I got to know what real people were like. And instead of just kind of spouting off theories from the pulpit, I was talking about the way God's word intersected with everyday lives and problems and struggles that we all have. And over the next uh, few weeks, I'm going to be talking about some of the most practical issues that we face as Christians and what the scripture actually says about those things. And so I'd like to begin with this first topic here by talking about how do you as a Christian practically experience God's love and forgiveness? How do you do that? I mean, we talk about forgiveness, we talk about God's love, but how do you experience it? I mean, in, in order to really say that you've experienced this stuff, I mean, do you need to get a vision? Do you need to get some sort of a supernatural uh, revelation from God? Uh, do you need to bump your head and go to heaven for the weekend and get a tour of heaven and come back and write a best-selling book and make millions of dollars and later on say that you made it up? Do you need to do that? Uh, do you need to... To, to have some uh, some sort of a special understanding of the Bible that nobody else has? Do you, or do you need to just be a certain kind of person? You know, you're already sort of touchy-feely anyway. You're already sort of an emotional person anyway. So experiencing God's love and forgiveness is something that, you know, just kind of comes natural to you. Well, here's the deal. When we come to Jesus Christ, you know, one of the things that that we usually understand at that moment is that God does love us. And that at that moment, he is forgiving all of our sins. And that's an important thing because that's the key issue in salvation is the fact that our sin separates us from God. In other words, there's a disconnect between us and God because of the fact that we are sinners, not just the fact that I did something bad one day, but that by nature, I mean, it's like it's part of our DNA. We're just, we're depraved, the Bible says. I mean, in fact, Romans 3, 10 through 12 says there's none of us who does good. No, not one. There's none righteous. 
<laughs> you know, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, our heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who could even know it? So we've got a problem. Uh, Ephesians 1, uh, excuse me, Ephesians 2, uh, verses 1 and 2 tells us that we were born in sin. We're, we're, we're children of wrath, okay? We're under God's judgment uh, of, of wrath. Uh, uh, John 3, uh, verses 36 through 38 tells us. So there's so many things there that, <clears throat> that help us understand, you know, our, our horrible condition. So when we come to God, initially, whether that was as a, a small child or as a teenager or adult or whatever it was, we have this basic understanding that all is well now. We've been forgiven. The problem is, is that number one, we tend to forget the nature and the magnitude of that forgiveness. In other words, as we go along our Christian lives and depending upon how committed we are to the Bible and to cultivating and nurturing a daily relationship with Christ and, you know, really being taught the Bible from the pulpit or from the platform of your church or wherever it is, depending on all that, we tend to sort of move away from experiencing his love and forgiveness on a daily basis. So how do you do that? Well, one thing I would say <clears throat> is this, you know, we all come from different type of backgrounds, different type of, of, of life experiences. And let's, let's go ahead and just kind of get the elephant, you know, uh, to recognize the elephant in the room here is that some of us have come from uh, pasts where we did not feel unconditionally loved as, as children by our parents. They may have been loving, but we may not have felt it. There may have been other experiences uh, when we were children or adolescents or in our college years or, you know, early married time years or whatever that scarred us and made us feel certain things about ourselves like, like that we are unlovely. You know, some of you guys listen to my voice grew up thinking you were unlovely. You know, you, you weren't the pretty girl. You weren't the handsome kid. You weren't the jock. You weren't the cheerleader. You weren't, you know, the straight A student. And there were so many inadequacies about you because of your personality or the way you looked or your body or whatever just made you feel like you weren't very important. Because of that, sometimes it's hard for us to understand and accept love from others. And so, you know, regardless of whatever kind of scars that you had coming from your past, or whether you came from a, a wonderful, loving, nurturing family, and you grew up thinking, I'm loved, and you're okay with that. Either way, when you do come to Christ, you still have to face the fact that he says he loves you. And the Bible says, obviously, you know, we all know John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. Why did he send his son? Because he loved the world, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. First uh, John 4, I believe it's verse uh, 17, verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. So the Bible states over and over again that God loves us. And then he also tangibly and eternally and historically demonstrated that love for us when Jesus took our penalty at the cross. But the problem is, is that we don't always, now watch what I'm about to say, okay? We don't always feel loved by God, do we? 
No, we don't. Because love is primarily not a feeling. Uh, that might be news to some of you. But if you don't feel love towards someone, doesn't mean you don't love them. Because love is not primarily an emotion. Love is a choice. Love is a choice. And God chose to love us. And whether we recognize it or whether we feel it, he still loves us. And that's never going to change. So I would urge you, one of the ways that we experience God's love is to by recognizing the fact that we don't base our understanding of his love on our feelings. Because granted, there are going to be days when you feel nothing. You feel nothing from God. You feel nothing for God. And we can talk about that in a future podcast. How do you deal with the dry spells spiritually? But we all feel that way. And, and you know what? Living by our emotions is not a primary way to operate in life. In other words, if you try to, to run the engine of your life by your emotions, you're going to find out that you're, you're going to run out of fuel pretty quick because you just can't shove enough coal into the, into the engine to, to keep that thing going like that. You can't put enough gas in the tank. So whether we feel that God loves us or not, and I'll be honest, you know, there are many times I don't feel that it's, it, because it's not a feeling. So at that time, I have to make a decision, and here's how it goes. I have to choose not to trust in what I feel, but to trust in what I know, because that's the way the Bible does. That's how Scripture interacts with our person. It comes into our heads, and we have a choice to believe that. Choosing to believe that eventually produces some emotion. But it doesn't mean that you have to be you know, dancing on your tippy toes all the time just because you're a Christian. So experiencing God's love means that you recognize that Scripture says that he loves us, but secondly, recognizing the fact that we don't always feel that love. And during those times, we have to make a choice, sometimes daily, to simply believe it by faith, by faith. And faith is not a feeling. So that's the first principle here. Now concerning God's forgiveness, here's something that, that I've seen in my years of ministry. Christians get so tripped up about. Because what happens is, is that you'll experience some sort of ser uh, serious failure or, or maybe it's just a, you know kind of a daily failure kind of thing and you're just down on yourself. It's because of sin and you've sinned against God. And so you feel guilty which naturally you, you would, because that's the Holy Spirit's conviction uh, upon your heart. But then you don't know what to do about it. You, you say, well, I, you know, I'm sorry. I'll try harder. And I'm going to talk about trying harder uh, in, in the following podcast. But you try harder. And <clears throat> what happens is, is that you, you don't, you don't feel forgiven. You don't, you don't feel like you've gotten that forgiveness. So how do you experience it? Well, here, here's how you do it. Number one, when you sin, you need to recognize it as sin, okay? That's critical. To say to God, I messed up, or I failed you, or whatever, no, no. Call it sin. Now, how do we know that we should call it sin? Well, because in 1 John 1, 9, uh, in fact, in verse 8, it says, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So you can't go around saying, oh, I never sin. Verse nine says, if we confess our sins, well, confess, what does that mean to confess? Well, you know, in our culture, we think about, you know, going to a confessional and just admitting something. 
Okay. But confession goes further than just admitting something. The word confess in the Bible is a compound word of two words, uh, homo legeo. Homo meaning the same, legeo meaning to say. So when you say the same thing as God says about your sin, which is what confession means, then you've just confessed your sin. So as you are aware of your sin, you can't be aware of all your sin. Obviously, you, you sin unconsciously. I sin unconsciously. But we also sin consciously and we, we sin actively. So when we recognize that, we go to God, we confess it to him. We tell him, hey, God, I, I sinned. And it says in this verse that when we do that, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, <clears throat> this doesn't mean that we get saved all over again. The issue of your forgiveness and your salvation was settled forever uh, when you, uh, when Jesus Christ applied his, his payment of sin uh, to, to your life. And that's why it's, it's so, you know, we read in, in the epistles. I mean, listen to what, what Paul says in Ephesians 1. It says in verse 7, in whom, talking about Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. And then over in Colossians uh, chapter 1, it says that he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, his son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. And then over in chapter two, it says this, it says in verse 13, and when you, in 2.13, and when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us and which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to his cross, to the cross. So basically when, when a criminal was crucified, they took his crimes, what he was guilty of, and they nailed him in a little placard above his head. And that basically, that's why he's being killed. What Jesus says here, he took all of your sins and he nailed them to his cross. He nailed them there. So when you confess your sins, you're naming those sins and you're recognizing the fact that they, are, they have already been nailed to the cross. You cannot sin a sin that God has not already forgiven you. That's how great his forgiveness is. And so you have to recognize that you're not getting saved again, but that it's not a judicial forgiveness that that gives you eternity again your eternal life already began the moment of salvation it's more of a parental or a relational forgiveness you know it's like <clears throat> i can have a relationship with my wife and i'm still married to her even though we have conflict or to one of my children but you know when we mend things when we make things right we don't say well can i be your husband again or can i be your father no we don't say that it's, it's like can the relationship now flow can we have communication? Can we have enjoyment? Can we spend time together? You know, can we talk? I mean, all these things that come with a relationship. So sin short circuits that relational enjoyment between us and the Father. And when we confess our sins, he's faithful to give us that real-time forgiveness, you know, for our sins. And if we do that, if we do that, if we recognize what Scripture says to do, guess what? then we experience in the moment God's forgiveness. And by faith, we move on. If we stay back and dwell on that, which God says he's already forgiven, God's like, what are you talking about? 
that's that's a I've already filed that one away. So we don't bring it up again because God's already taken care of it. And friends, if we recognize what God says in his word about his love for us, what God says in his word about his forgiveness of our sins, and we appropriate that in our lives when we realize that we've sinned and we don't depend upon our emotions to determine whether or not we feel we are loved by God, but we, we rest on his word. If we do those things, you know what? You will experience God's love and God's forgiveness on a daily basis. Now there's some meat you can go cut up and chew on for the rest of the week. God bless. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.